Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Sprites of Life podcast. I'm Lucas. I'm Chris. And I'm Don. Don's back. Don's back. Uh, we, yeah, Logan was fun, but we miss you, buddy. I'm sorry. I'm back. <laughs> Stupid work. Stupid. I mean, hey, we got you back just in time for our last Halloween episode, though. And so, speaking I mean, of work, who wants to game when you can play a game that's might as well be work? I don't play Roller to- Coaster Typhoon anymore. Oh, but that is a great game. Or Zoo that Tycoon. Is work. That's work. I need to I need to make sure the park is both safe enough to pass the inspectors, but danger enough to kill at least one passenger. You actually like obeyed the rules while every other teenage boy was building water slides to launch inflatable tubes across the park to explode. Yo, that was that was peak at the time. But I think today we kind of need to go with something a bit darker darker than mr bones wild ride he's even darker because the ride never ends don you are a connoisseur of elden ring are you not um yeah i mean i guess like i like all the the from soft titles um you guys have put up with my hype for the three years i think it was first announced in 2019 and in typical from soft fashion they went hey we're making a thing also, George R. R. Martin's involved, and then they told us nothing for like three years, uh, which is really kind of how they do stuff. And you know what? It, it 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 hasn't really failed them so far. They're one of the few companies who can just like keep on swinging, and they don't miss like really ever, which is weird. Yeah, they they take their time. I know Dark Souls Two is um considered one of the more divisive from soft titles of their recent stretch. Um, I personally really like Dark Souls Two. I think the P it's probably the best PvP. But um, yeah, even like even like arguably the worst FromSoft game is is better than most games, I would say. I mean, and they're definitely um they're definitely not everyone's cup of tea. Um, but there's like a lot of especially the newer ones, they really made them a lot more open and a lot more ways to uh to play the game. So you know, like if maybe you know you're getting you're getting beat, you know, trying to do melee, maybe you do a range build, maybe you mix it up, maybe you go to a different area. Um, so like I think they're more approachable now than they've ever been too. I also love the fact that they, um, sorry, that they picked up Armor Core, and it's like, oh yeah, no, we're also making Armor Core, because we're bored. We're bored, so we're doing Armor Core 6. Yeah, I know, I had the, like, Armor Core, I think one or two for the PS1, I can't remember which one, but it was very, uh, it was a good time. I, I did not complete it when I was, like, seven. I just like the, if you look at their, like, their track record starting, like, 2015, or 2014, so you got Dark Souls 2, Bloodborne. Dark Souls three. I mean, you're skipping Demon Souls and Dark Souls one. Well, I, I'm just looking at a straight a straight run of games for like almost consecutive years from 14 to 15, 16 Dark Souls three, 18 they had a remaster so they took a break. 2019 was Sekiro and then Elden Ring. Like that's a crazy run. Yeah, and that's not even counting like Armored Core or um. I mean, you can you can you can run this back to 2011 and start just Dark Souls. Oh, Demon Souls, I think, is what, 09? Yeah, 09, yeah. Yeah, so basically, these guys keep on hitting. Don loves them. And I've never played any of these games. Why not talk about some critters? The only thing about Elden Ring that I know is let me solo her. Ah, the man, the myth, the legend. I can't believe they got him a sword. They did. He earned it. (laughs) The company got him a sword for being awesome. I mean, that is... That man can die happy. That man can pass away in peace. 
the sort of I guess like well I mean the the co normal co ops very heavy, but the way they do co op, the way they do all of the online interactions in the Souls games, because there's no real mic or anything, I feel like have a very sort of organic. Because um, it's all through either gestures or your name and kind of stuff like that. Um, so there's a very, like, uh, the interactions can be very interesting. Or, you know, a guy tricks you and hits you over the head with a giant lava hammer. So, like, it can go either way. Yeah, yeah, no. Like, all things, life can go one way or the other. Uh, we do have some news to cover first. And we have the highest priority of news to cover. This might as well be March Madness because we're on upset alert. Oh, yeah, no, it is. It was Fat Bear Week about a week ago after this uh, recording, and uh, Air Bear Force One Seven Four Seven has been dethroned. Was he like a ten-time champ? He's won like a lot. He, he something he's won quite a bit. Bear Force One, the greatest name in bears. Yeah, no, we got a new champion now. We got a brand new bear in charge. I believe her name. Let me pull up the name. It was it was a mama bear. Described as a fierce queen named 128 Grazer. Oh, Grazer. Okay, so while I was looking up Grazer, one of the things they keep bringing up is the fact that she's nursed two litters of cubs, is an exemplary fisher, and she will attack much larger. She will attack like larger bears even when she's not as fat. Like she is a fierce competitor. So Bear Force One has lost to a true, you know, a true queen. I, I like this quote from, uh, I, I don't know what their role is, but they said that because she didn't have cubs this season, she was able to focus on herself and she had an advantage over the female bears. <laughs> I mean, if you, if you pull up a picture of her, you can see why she won. I mean, she's just absolutely huge. And for those who have no idea what Fat Bear Week is, the National Park Service um, up in Alaska basically makes a poll tournament bracket style of all the bears after they've fattened up for the winter. So bears don't truly hibernate like they talk about on TV, but they still have to bulk up on all that weight before the winter sets in. And so they'll usually use the um, salmon coming in to bulk up. Because of this, they decided to make a poll about who would be the best fat bear, have a bunch of people vote, and over a million people vote for this. I'm pretty sure that this bear, that the winner got like a million, but do you want to, do you want to know who got second place? Who? 32 chunk chunk. Oh my God. What a, what a bear. What a, a guy. Large and dominant male is what he is described as, but not but dominant enough. <laughs> I mean, shout out to bear force one. He'll have a place in our heart, but we have a new queen. Long live her reign. I just look like an idiot to a coworker because they were doing a, uh, uh, a tournament bracket for Fat Bear Week, and I was oh, like, "Bear Force One, that's all you got to do." And I look like an idiot now. Don't know my bears. <laughs> nah, I mean it's cool. I mean, as as fun as this is to do, it's also a great way to get people involved in conservation. Because if you ever threaten these bears in any capacity, now you have this to use against the public of like, hey, if they keep drilling for oil here or they keep cutting down trees here, we'll lose Fat Bear Week, and that's enough. Sometimes that really is all you need in conservation. You just need a meme. 1.4 million votes. So, like, even a fraction of that. If you get a fraction of that to care, that is significant. Yes. I love that this became a thing. Now, we did have a bit of news. Um, 
I, I want to talk about a company who actually got what they deserved for one. But there was a company that made a terrible decision, paid for it, and had their CEO fired recently. Everyone give a thunderous round of applause to Unity for almost completely annihilating much of the uh, indie game market. Well done, them. Yeah, I, I like there had to be a lot of thought put into this, and I don't know why those thoughts happened the way that they did. So are either of you familiar with like the details of what Unity's proposed deal was? Weren't they going to start charging like a subscription service for like developers to use Unity? It's a lot. It's not so much a subscription service. What they were planning on doing was starting in 2024, they would have added a 20 cents fee per install of game once the title had sold 200,000 copies. And that the developer had taken in $200,000 in revenue. The idea was that they would make more money off people who got better copies. Now, for something like, I don't know, Pokemon Go, they would be raking in, you know, millions of dollars. They'd be making so much money. But the problem is, these install fees would now be affecting, like, if you're a new developer, and you're just two guys making a game, and your game shoots off to the moon, now you're owing this company thousands and thousands of dollars that you don't have, which is real bad. And suddenly, everyone realizing that, oh, God, if we get good in this game with this engine, we could be absolutely screwed. And so this caused a whole bunch of game developers to lose it. Rightfully so. Like, the people who made um, Cult of the Lamb were like, yeah, January 1st, we're deleting the game. By the way, this deal was not for, like, new games being made. Any existing game under their banner was going to be put under this. How are you going to, like, someone put it up. How are you going to tell Pokemon to pay up? Who are you to tell Nintendo to pay you money? <laughs> They're going to come at you with that guy with the stick. You're just going to show up. <laughs> I mean, All I, know, I, I just care that I can still download Cult of the Lamb because I still haven't gotten to play it. I mean, the fact is, the game, this, it got so pan the idea was so bad that all these game de developers attacked unity they have so much bad press under them everyone's going everywhere else the ceo had to quit like effective immediately and he's the guy who is known for taking ea and making ea like what it is today very microtransaction-y and what it pursues he was the one who originally thought of games as a service so He's made a career of driving companies into the ground, and this guy's finally let it keep going. So good for him. Well done. Nice to have a tradition. One trick pony over here. Yeah, I mean, it just takes him a decade to do it, and every time, like, I don't know. What if we nickeled and dimed everybody? It's so incredibly stupid to just do this to someone. And effectively, like, all these games that we've talked about some of these games. We've talked about Pokemon Go on this podcast. We've talked about freaking Hollow Knight last week. There are games that, like, Hearthstone that have completely changed, like, gaming. And your plan is to, like, take, to take from their success. Like, you already have a subscription service. You already have it. And you decided to be greedy. Of all the flavors you chose to be, you decided to just rip a bit too far. And you know what? They get what they deserve. I mean, at least I don't. From Software makes everything in house, so we don't have to worry about them. But otherwise, no, they they don't deserve any. The, Unity can go to heck. I don't care. All right, news over. Don. Yeah, let's get spooky. Too. This is going to be more of a um, some of the creatures and enemies within the Elden Ring game. Sort of talking about them and sort of how they relate to some real life 
uh, critters, and as opposed to like we're not going to really get into lore or anything like that today. Um, yeah, we're so not. I know there's some there's some more lore type reasons for some of these. Um, that's not really what I'm I'm here to do. Um, but Vaddy Vidya on YouTube does have some really good lore videos, and there's some other really great uh people out there that go deep into the lore of Elden Ring. Basically, you're the Tarnished, which is um basically a group of sort of people or beings that can't die. I mean, you die, but you come back. And you're trying to be the Elden Lord. Space Elder Gods, and there's other weird stuff. And there's a lot There's a lot of things going on. But at the end of the day, you're a guy, and you want to get all the runes, which is this game's version of Souls. And you want to bonk everybody with your big whacking stick or sword of choice and be the number one. Like no one ever was. Just like that. So what makes Elden Rings different from the other Souls games? It's Elden Ring. One ring. There's one ring. <laughs> oh, sorry. What does what makes Elden Ring different from the Soul games? Okay, well, so the Dark Souls, and I guess the Demon Souls, but the Dark Souls trilogy all takes place within the same universe. Um, and the, the Souls games, I mean, Elden Ring kind of does too, but the Souls games have a really overarching thing about the cycle of light and dark, life and death. And like typically that in like the first uh, Dark Souls game involves like rekindling the fire um, that, that like, but like cause to prevent the age of darkness because the previous basically like rulers of the in-game world wanted to continue the age of light. Even um, Sorry, I'm getting way into the weeds with this immediately. It's really hard not to. Basically, Elden Ring is a separate game from the Souls games. Mechanically, it's similar, but this is the first game we can jump in, which is very exciting. I think maybe you can jump in Sekiro, but in terms of like more of a Souls-style game, you can jump. That's exciting. Oh, like physically jump. Yeah, like I was wondering, like, oh, you mean like teleport or like, oh, no, no you mean... I, th I thought you meant like like you could... This is the first like fresh entry into something. No, yeah, well, it is. And it's also... um. The Elden Ring is much more non-linear than all of the Souls games. The Souls games are have like definitely some sort of choices in where you can go, but Elden Ring, the world is very, very open. You could, um, you know, skip around the whole first area if you wanted and go fight. You could go straight to late game areas to grab some cool weapons and stuff, or try to you know beat a boss really early that might unlock a cool thing. Uh, you could prioritize some quests, which are typically pretty obscure. Also, you get a, a little horse pony guy in this one. His name is Torrin, and he's like a goat horse. And he's uh, your Aww. little buddy. I mean, I've seen... Th th there's plenty of memes surrounding the games, and, like, you'll see different characters roaming in and out. W why was the turtle a pope? Because like, he I is. Saw huh? Just because the, he is. Um, he just the pope. So without getting too far... The current, like, I guess I guess you could say religion sort of thing, The the main is the Golden Order. Um, which is sort of a uh, religious institution, I guess you could say. That's also, um, so I, I'm I'm not the most well versed in all the lore, um, but they're sort of like the dominant force because they're backed by the greater will, which is like a um, again outer space gods. Once you get into the the big parts of the lore, it's all like weird space stuff um, involved with stuff. But think think like it's vaguely like a religion. Muriel is the turtle pope's name. He's a homie. Um, you can bring him. Uh, scroll books from sorcery or from faith magic so like miracles or sorceries and there's like other other magic teachers in the game like will not accept certain types they'll be like oh this is like you know we don't this is bad magic and he just says like her he's just like heresy is just a construct let us learn together so he's just a good wholesome fella and he gives you some useful lore about um the uh the the area he's in about how the the ruling family and their army there instead of like because they uh 
the golden order couldn't defeat them in like pitched battles they ended up marrying into them so like does he do does he do anything ranks i guess or does he, he just sit teaches there? you magic and he tells you nice things and he's just a okay. good fella sometimes that's all you need it's just like a little support i think the fact that people people have tried to kill him and keep killing him it should be a crime yes turtle pope is a good guy um you can kill the normal tortoises around the world so it makes me sad. Uh, their necks can be used. Uh, Elden Ring also added crafting, which is new. Um, so like you can kill like, you know, like some 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 wild sheep, and then you get their bones and you can use those to make darts, and just sort of things like that. Enemies drop materials as well. It says it says if you if you kill him, he drops bell bearings and ten turtleneck meat. Yes, yeah, so the turtleneck meats can be used to um, uh, increase your stamina regeneration. But at what cost? Yeah, just, I mean, I don't even like killing the normal turtles when they're tortoises, but yes, I still don't like doing it. I Okay, so if there's a crafting system that's been added, is this one of those games where our weapons are going to break every five seconds if I hit a rock? No. No, okay, I good. Um, Souls games have weapons durability. I don't think I've ever had a weapon break in Elden Ring. Dark Souls 2, your weapons would degrade a lot quicker. Um, there was actually also several of the games had, have had spells called Acid Surge or equivalent type names that uh, degrade the weapons and armor of the wearer. So you could do some really um, goofy troll builds in PvP um, where you could break people's weapons and armor. See, that's my next question. I've seen the memes of, like, people, like, glowing red, showing up in other people's games and messing up. Like, what? what is that from a game mechanic? Like, it so, just looks like you're being a jerk. Yes, and I love it. Um, so I, I, I love PvP and all the Souls games. Um, so, like, base in some of the older Souls games, you could pretty much be invaded at any point when you were online or if you were at full humanity, um, which, like, gave you a little extra health at the cost of being invaded. But the newer Souls games, um, in Elden Ring specifically, like, to get invaded, you have to either use a specific item that invites invaders into your world called a Taunter's Tongue, or you have to be engaging in co-op. And that's sort of the game's, uh, I guess you could call it balancing... Or sort of the cost so you can you know have your buddy come into your world to help you you know venture through an area or fight a boss but by doing so you're also opening yourself up to being invaded by people that want to kill you and your buddy so it's sort of a risk reward system what do you gain for jumping in and kicking some dude off a cliff uh runes so one one i want so one you get their runes or a certain percentage of that which is like the level up in the currency um also it's the the combat is just enjoyable mm. um so that's fun you know sometimes you get a little bit of hate mail you know sometimes that's fun depending <laughs> on your mood um there's a few quests in the game and stuff uh where you need to get a couple kills and invasions use that some of the other games specifically required you to get like a certain amount of pvp wins to unlock some late game spells and as well I'm just imagining what other video games would look like with a feature like this. Like, yeah, the, some of the crazier ones, like Dark Souls 2, um, you could just be invaded um, at pretty much any point, if unless you, you specifically did something to not be. I think you had to have full, um, full like humanity or whichever it was called in that game. You couldn't be hollowed, so you had to have like full maximum HP. But, and then those games also had a uh, a sin system. Where by doing a lot of invasions, you accumulated sin, and then you could be invaded, even when you were trying not to be, by uh, basically people they would spawn in as blue characters. And that's a thing you can do now, where you can uh, join a covenant 
where you will be able to um, basically you you can if someone else gets invaded, you can be automatically summoned into their world to help them fight the invader. Oh, okay. So you get a bodyguard. Sort of, yeah. All right. Again, just imagine like what like Madden would be like if like you were losing a game, all of a sudden another team shows up to back you up. <laughs> that would be kind of sick, actually. <laughs> oh God, the Buccaneers are losing! Quick, call the Dolphins! All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the stadium, like the Miami Dolphins, also rush the field. <laughs> I like how those were your. I guess you're Florida. I just like that those are your two reference points. Listen, my my coworkers. Asked us to be part of a Pickums league, and I'm in fifth place, and I have to take it out on somebody, so I'm taking it out on this podcast. I mean, at least I'm beating some of the people who actually like football more than me, so that feels good. Oh, I mean, these games have certainly been successful, but what is it to be said about the difficulty? I, I kind of feel like we should end off on that. Like, the whole meme, the entire meme, is that every FromSoft game is like, deceptively hard to the point that now any game that is hard is like oh this is the dark souls of blank this is the elden ring of blank like what what why um so yeah so so dark souls games as a whole and i'm I'm just i'm lumping in all the souls games plus sekiro plus bloodborne and all of those um have always like had a reputation being very punishing and they've definitely leaned into it like the dark souls game of the year special edition was called the prepare to die edition um so it's definitely leaned into but at the same time as the uh you know, controls have gotten more a little more fluid and stuff. Timings, as I will say, the um the enemies in this game, some of them are uh, particularly challenging because with the uh, I guess it, you know maybe some advances. I, I I can't claim to speak well on the uh, like programming side of things, but some of the enemies' move sets in this they'll have like uh because the this from soft games as a whole really rely on um little bit of trial and error and then like recognizing enemy patterns and knowing like when to dodge typically through rolling um you can block things with the shield as well but that's risky because if your stamina gets run out while you're blocking you're basically staggered and you can be critical and it's just generally better to roll through things you have some invincibility flame frames while you roll um so really it's like but it's a game where you're going to die and you're probably going to die a lot especially if you're new to the series but then like it's that's sort of what makes the series so great is once you do take down like Melania or the Foom Knight or Manus or like, you know, the, the, uh, sorry, Darky or Madeir or like another like Slave Knight Gale or like another very famous, like known to be very difficult Dark Souls or Elden Ring boss. Um, you, you feel a really like, I guess, level of accomplishment compared to other games where like maybe it's a little easier. But like once you really like, because I, I, I can, I've lost track of the amount of times where I fought, you know, bosses throughout the Soul series, Elden Ring, Bloodborne, whatever, where you just just getting beaten into the ground, and then all of a sudden you fight them and you just they just can't touch you. You just roll through, dodge every space out, every attack, and just then suddenly you just go from just getting destroyed to almost beating them flawlessly. And it's 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 just a really great feeling that I don't think you get from a ton of games sometimes. No, I think a lot of games are kind of built to make you feel like you know, the superhero. Like, even if it's not a superhero game, you're meant to feel the power, the control, all of it. And so when a game actively makes you, no, no, we're going to kick you. And then you got to get up again until we stop. And then you got to kick us back. I feel that there's a place for that in human psychology. And that's sort of the whole, um, sorry. And then like with the Soul series, that's sort of the whole thing is despite like, cause there's all, all I'm going to reference, not Elden Ring, I'm going to reference Dark Souls 2 and some of the other Souls games where there's excuse me a, th- a thing called hollowing where basically it's other undead like you that have just totally given up and their minds 
go and they're just like mindless zombies and stuff. And it's basically saying like it doesn't matter how many times you lose as long as you don't quit. And I think that's sort of a key tenet of the Souls games. If you think of it from the boss, from a boss's perspective, you're hanging out, this random little dude comes in with a rusty sword and you know, you smack him across the room. Then he comes back the next time and oh he hit you this time. And then you know he comes back a hundred more times. Like it's a terrifying concept to be a Souls boss. It would be like if you had to fight a rat with a toothpick and every time you did it managed to stab you a little more. I mean that's an that's an amazing way to look at it that I wouldn't even consider. Now I'm looking for rats. Now I'm actively looking in my room for rats. Gotta be ready. Gotta be prepared. Maybe it's the geese outside, who knows? But I mean, clearly these games are successful, even if they're not my cup of tea, because I like feeling more powerful in my games, or I just just never been my thing. That's it. You can, like, once you do get to that point, or like Elden Ring has some just some of the, the late game spells or weapon arts, which is like special moves that certain weapons can do, you do feel very powerful. When you start throwing moons at people, it's it's a pretty good feeling. I mean, it sounds awesome, but I wanted to talk more about some of the critters because as I've you you see the memes, you see the let's plays, you see horrific monsters coming at you, you see people with dragon arms coming at you, like you. There's all kinds of weirdness, and in my biology brain, I'm like thinking, okay, how would this work? Even though it's magic, like even though there's no logical reason, you're supposed to be fine. I can't turn that part of my brain off, so. We asked you to bring us some critters. Yeah, so I'm going to do my best here. Like I said, I'm mainly going to kind of go with just sort of my own thoughts slash like a little bit. I'm not going to get too much into the lore. If someone, if I make a lore mistake, you know, please feel free to yell at us on Twitter or whatever or in the Discord. But yeah, so let's uh, let's jump into it. So the first one, and these guys, um, well, I know you guys haven't played, but there is a chest in an early area of the game and in peak from soft fashion when you open this chest thinking you're gonna get you know maybe a cool new sword or some armor it said there's a big puff of smoke and it teleports you deep into a random mine where you've never been and in that mine are these things called the kindred of rot and if uh you want to google them chris real quick yes i i made the mistake of googling them earlier so the surprise is lost on me but chris has not i don't like this yeah it's not it's great. Like bony insectoid spear wielders. Why does it look squishy? I think it they're looks more like crunchy. Bones. Yeah, I mean, like, I'm looking at the picture. That's what's weirding me out. Like, they look like bones, but there's also a part of it that makes me think it would go squish, and I don't like it. Um. Also, they do this thing, and you'd have to find a video probably. Um. But the Kindred of Rot have a unique attack that especially early game you typically haven't really done much i mean I, I know some people they found this chest before they even figured out how to level up in the game so they were really really not ready for what happened there's uh the kindred of rot have this move where they shoot like basically like spider web threads off their backs so if you look up kindred of rot pest threads they're very much especially well early game i'd say they're they're late game not particularly they're annoying because the uh the threads they shoot out have shockingly good homing and when you're early game if you come to this place very yeah. early like they hit quite hard um but they're they're pretty glass cannons uh if you can close the gap and you know what hit one with something they're not too hard to beat and they stagger i don't like it's like they're shooting like web arrows yes well yeah and they they hit really hard and they they said that they have insane tracking on them that sounds less like a spider and more like a velvet worm well, that's actually in my note list, and that's something I was going to get to. So 
Body-wise, they seem to be sort of shrimpy, maybe a little bit of a, uh, you know, a little bit of centipede. I feel like, um, or like like crawfish. Yeah, a little that little bit of that. We actually do have crawfish in this game, which are more like giant pistol shrimp, the size of like a car that can shoot you from four hundred yards away. Um, but those are a different thing. Um, but yeah, so the, like Lucas said, the velvet worms, and I know Lucas, you're 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 not you know about the velvet worms, creepy little critters, love them, but still creepy. Yeah, Chris, do you know about velvet worms? I do not, but I have already looked them up, and I don't like it. <laughs> so the velvet worm is a, a really, really cool kind of guy. Um, one, they're very, very old, and they are sort of like, you know, a mini-legged sort of thing, like a soft centipede, but they're in their own thing. Um, they're closely related. They're the, part of the only phylum in Animalia that's actually wholly in terrestrial environments. environments. Um, and they're like sort of closely related to arthropods and tardigrades so they're kind of their own weird little thing they also have live young which is interesting and they have uh lobopods which basically means stub feet which is fun as well yeah, and they the, can have between the feet, 13 the feet are and weird. weird we have 13 and 43 pairs of legs i don't what's okay sorry the there's a national geographic video that says this worm uses a quote silly string of death yes so this is why so the velvet worm is really one of the few animals at all that uses like i mean you know spiders catch things with their silk there's a few that sort of shoot it the velvet worm has two specialized uh slime glands near their mouth where they shoot um slime um and it's like a sticky sticky threads and it can entangle their prey um, and it's sort of their main uh, method of predation. Unlike the kindred of rot, which seem to be crunchy, velvet worms actually don't have a rigid exoskeleton. They're totally fluid-filled and sort of a hydrostatics, more like uh, sea anemones and worms. Yeah, if you really want to be unsettled, Chris, um, Google velvet worm size. Some of them get big. Yeah, some of them get quite huge. Ah, uh. <laughs> uh, yeah, we got you. It's horrible. Yeah, no, thank you. I don't. I don't need to know this thing exists. Now, give it a spear and let it poke you. Where does this thing like? What part of the world does this thing live in? In your house. <laughs> in your walls. I doubt it. I would have seen it. Nah, they like warm climates. They they prefer to like. They prefer you know the. Central America, Brazil, Australia, parts of Africa. I think yes, some parts little of bits Southeast Africa, East. some Southeast Asia. Yeah, um, they really like uh, high humidity. I believe is very important to them. Yeah, I mean, with the squishy skin, it makes sense. Like you can't hold moisture, so you need moisture around you. Yeah, but it, yeah, it, it really is. Like if you if you watch the video of the the silly string of death, it's uh pretty impressive. Yeah, no, I, there's, it's honestly one of those, like, why haven't you made a Pokemon about it yet sort of things? I but think like, they're cute. Honestly, I think they're cute. They are very, they have little nubby feet, and I think that's what helps. They sort of have little nubby faces. They don't really have eyes, which maybe people find off-putting. And their actual mandibles are quite... Uh, Upsetting. <laughs> impressive. Mm-hmm, yeah. I thought... I, I like how we started with this one because, like, of all the things. There's one to start rolled over with. on his back though with his little belly, and like, I kind of want to give him belly rubs. <laughs> you can do that, Don. So, rule of thumb of what I'm learning is don't open the chest. Yeah, I'm not gonna tell anyone where it is. One day, you guys will play the game, and I will not tell you where the chest is. 
I've got it. I, I I've got it. I just haven't opened it. You have what game do you have? What system do you have it on? Uh, Xbox. Okay, I was like, we're playing well, now. I guess we can't. No, we can. You can jump in and help me in Bloodborne, but that's it. All right. Um. So we'll hop on to the next guy, I guess. This guy's kind of a, a fun little dude, and he's been in quite a few FromSoft games, and that's the Basilisk. Lucas, you've seen the ba- the FromSoft Basilisk now, I assume. Yeah, I'm taking a look at it now. It is certainly a creature. This is this is this is not a basilisk. <laughs> uh, well, some of the oldest basilisks in um, lore can are not always like full on snake mode. Um, I no, I know, even, like... I, I I know they're not full on snaky snake, but like they are not giant eyed frogs. <laughs> so. The um, this is actually a very interesting basilisk fact about the FromSoft basilisks. Those are not their real eyes. What? Correct. I like that it has the big eyes because that kind of ties with the like basilisk like death stare and all that. Yes. Yeah, so oh basilisk... my god, that is horrifying. You see his I... real little eyes. I don't want to see the real little eyes. Oh my god, it's worse, right? It's so much worse. <laughs> Oh, no. Yes. So the basilisks in FromSoft games, sort of a fun little twist on the death stare. Um, they typically exhale um, sort of they have like a throat pouch like a frog. Um, they'll exhale. You can see it in that one picture, mm-hmm. a mist in the air. Um, in some of the games, it inflicts petrification, which is uh, instantly yeah. kills you uh, if the bar fills. In some games, it inflicts uh, it curses you, which drains your maximum health. Permanent, well, not permanently, but you can go restore it, but you have to go do, use an item. Um, and in this game, it inflicts Death Blight, which has a brutal uh, animation, I will say. Honestly, if you guys would like to Google Death Blight proc real quick, because this is kind of fun for me, and I think people will enjoy it. Death like what? Death Blight. Oh, no. Oh, that's not okay at all. Yeah, it's not good. Not a good way to go. Why am I a tree? What I will say, looking at it, so there's there is another thing. So basilisks in like in lower basilisks and cockatrices are very close together, um, and if I'm remembering it correctly, I think that the like the way you get a basilisk is a chicken sits on like a snake or a frog egg, and a cockatrice is the inverse. So one of them involves a rooster laying an egg too. Yeah, the I, the cockatrice I think is like a snake or a frog sitting on like a chicken egg. Yeah, but one of them it's specifically a rooster has to lay the egg. I think that's cockatrice, not just a chicken. Yeah. Anyway, yeah. Um, um, so and basilisk... I I feel like this is more like cockatrice vibes, but like same same because it's got like the beak too. Like it's got a little beaky thing. Yeah, it's his little mouth. He's got teeth though, which would should ex- well t- teeth should exclude frogs and bird base bases his form. So maybe he's more lizardy. Well, cockatrices are, well, dra- are dragons or wyverns, so. That's true. I'm thinking about the um, the ones in RuneScape that have, I think, bird faces. Um, so, yeah, so and it, are, do these things live in an environment where they are much bigger predators than this thing? Um, So, you find them in the Lake of Rot, um, which I said um, does have the kindred of Rot there. But there's also a few larger things there. Um, the Dragonkin soldier is a very large dude um um you typically find them in, uh in caves in dark places often places that have some water 
Um, there's a place called an underground area called the Deep Root Depths, where they're found around uh, the waterfalls. Um, areas that have an affinity with death blight sometimes have them as well. But they typically seem to like um, underground and sort of shady places and stuff. Places where you would find an amphibian. I mean, I, when I'm seeing the eyes, obviously they're a weapon. But like, also, I just keep thinking of all the prey items that have false eyes in order to like distract their like predators well, to make them so think the, they're bigger the than they are. So the eyes with them are interesting. So like one, they also are. Um, maybe it's a little nod to the eyes not being their real weak spot. Um, the basilisks um, are actually immune to critical hits. So like in, in uh, Elden Ring, if you break an enemy's stance, and you know, depending on what they are, they take a knee, they fall over. Normally there will be a spot where you can go up and you get like a critical hit and you do like a, a little more fancy animation, like a big stab and you do a big chunk of damage. But uh, stance breaking a basilisk only really stuns it for a second. I mean, maybe that's sort of a nod to its false eyes because we know in like in real life there's frogs. I mean, like tons of animals employ false eyes. Um, there's most of them don't have them so close to their real faces, but when you exhale death mist, maybe that's uh, that's that's a better move. Because you know we see lots of fish, moths, other like actual frogs and stuff will use false eyes typically towards the tail or in an area where if a predator were to attack that piece of you, um, it's a piece you can get by without. But I do wonder if maybe the eyes are um. Maybe maybe they're uh they're like full of and maybe puffs them up because we see it has a little throat pouch so maybe the eyes are are puffed up, so they're just like little balloons like a Wubbuffet situation, and um so maybe that's why. <laughs> I I looked at this list of creatures and I thought okay this one should be fine, and this one Reddit post changed me. No, I don't want eye. it. Their Bring little eyes, yeah that. They become so much more sinister when you can see their, when you know their actual eyes are like that. They're no longer just goofy little guys. Bring back the velvet worms with the sharp sticks. At least I know what I'm fighting. I don't want to fight this. <laughs> I yeah, want to go see, home. Um, yeah, and in nature, we do see, um, we don't have, I mean, obviously there's poison dart frogs, which um, you sort of have to touch. Um, I can't think if there's any frogs that really aerosolize their defense. We do see that in... Um, you know, some beetles, like the bombardier beetle, um, can you know they they can have a uh, like a caustic spray they can use. We see it in um, tarantulas can flick their uh, the irritating hairs, but there, I mean there really isn't a uh, at least to my knowledge in real life a specific animal that exhales death mist. So you know maybe that's good. Yeah, no, I, I think nature is. Um, I think nature doesn't need that. I think there's enough horrifying things that nature can do to us already. Um, so do you, moving on, like, again, I don't know where to go from here because this thing was honestly the least terrifying to me and now you've ruined it. I, I've already, I've already looked ahead and you're not going to be happy, Lucas. One of my, this was an enemy that was featured in, uh, the trailer itself for Elden Ring. We finally got a real trailer. Um, and there's sort of, it's sort of three parts sort of thing was that Elden Ring has a lot of, um, things to do with space particularly if you follow the quest line of a character called ronnie the witch um, uh, who many people is this the blue one with fans, the multiple a lot, arms? lot of a lot a lot of waifuing uh going on about with ronnie the witch sometimes it's the blue one with the arms and that's not even really her it's a puppet um she's like actually from a lore standpoint she's actually it's like not even her real body um and her her whole thing is she wants you to basically find this weapon that you can use to effectively kill the emissaries of the greater will because she wants to usurp the current like 
alpha god situation and install her own age of stars i think she call is the name Neat. of the ending but I basically she wants to become the dominant force um yeah and like but she's fun um well there's one part in the game where she like tells you how like you're her champion all this stuff and then she's like now leave and if you stand there for too long she just instantly oh. kills you so like that's sort of like she's she's a lot more powerful than um her like sort of like fun little like because she's kind of like i guess she's more she's nice she's nicer she's like, to the I player said leave. Than a lot of npcs <laughs> that's basically what she does did she talks, i she talks, stutter and she talks very ye oldie mm. there i think there's a lot of thou's and thouist and stuff like that and she's got a a, a cool guy that's got a it's got a wolf head for a sweet head. and is so what cool does she have too. to do with the next critter so um one of these the the largest bit one of these three things um so these all come from space uh basically and one of them is estelle natural born of the void or just an estelle because there's more than one but um all the estelles have titles there's only two if you guys would like to google the estelle natural born of the void what can someone did the does from software have a therapist on site to who, talk to these people who, who hurt you <laughs> who hurt so them? the estelles are one gigantic um estelle comes from space um in Elden Ring, there's an underground area it's called the Eternal Cities, where they have like beautiful, like basically galaxies along the ceilings of these caves. And it's like these beautiful ancient temples. And it was totally wiped out because an Estelle destroyed it a long time ago. And you have to go down there and fight it um, to get to a certain thing. Also, you can make a really cool weapon out of one of its wings that um, you can use to do like space explosions with. So that's neat. Um, also, it's really, really big. Um, they have a command of like gravity magic. They can like levitate you off the ground and slam you into it. They can teleport. They can grab you, and if they grab you, that you basically die because they chomp you a lot. Um, as I said, they're really, really big. Yeah, that this is cosmic horror at its finest. Yes. Yeah, so there's the Estelle, and then related to the Estelle, at least in my opinion, this is sort of a. Um, there's the malformed star, which if you look at that, um, the malformed star is sort of a. It, they hang upside down from the ceiling. They're also really big. They kind of have a similar face to the Estelle, but upside down. They shoot and they use gravity magic to shoot. Um, it's more like more like a, a trap setting version, which is a quadrupedal guy, big jaws, sort of spiky tail, uh, much more more of a physical kind of guy than the other two. It looks more uh, fluffy. It looks like someone fluffy. tried to pet it and died. Also controls gravity magic. Um, but, so, so what's what's the deal with these guys? What's the what's the uniting factor? There is a certain Pokemon line, I guess you could say, that has some similarities with the Estelle. Do you guys want to guess who it is? Uh, Honestly, Iron, Iron like, Moth. No. So the Estelle, from a, a mandibles and wing standpoint, uh, looks oh. like a lace wing. Oh, Trapinch. Oh, yeah. it's an ant lion. Uh, well, so okay. Estelle is a lace wing, um, or it looks a lot like a lace wing. Um, and lace wings, not all lace wing larvae are of the trap pinch uh, style, aren't all antlions. If you look up an, a lace wing larva, um, they look almost exactly, I mean, not exactly, because one of them is the size of a school bus and one of them is a little dude. But um, if you look up a lace wing larva and then look at a falling star beast. Yeah, it's got that little, th yeah. yeah, I can see it. Hmm. Yeah, big jaws, sort of. Um, yeah, so 
And we do see, um, as I said, like as far as I know in the game, I don't think there's anything confirmed that the Falling Star Beasts are related to the Estelles. But um, they're from space. They got big mandibles. They do gravity stuff. Um, I'm kind of calling it that they are. I'm, I'm gonna. Uh, I think that sort of like seems to be the consensus. Um, and then the malformed star, I think, is either um, some some. Uh, it could either be like a pupa stage, or it could be um, some insects have it where like one of the two sexes is like semi immobile or maybe doesn't have wings, like we see with some ants. Um, certain wasps, stuff like that. Certain moths, even the female, will not even have wings. Be a lot more stationary. Um, or the malformed star could be like a pupa phase of an Estelle, where it maybe it eventually goes up, and the throwing big rocks with gravity magic is sort of its like defense mechanism. And if you get up close, they will bite you. And I think there are a few pupae uh, that have like sort of false mandibles and can sort of flop about a little bit in real life if they're threatened. So that's not too crazy. I for me, I'm looking at this thing like this is honestly what I think would lo would look like to like going back to Pokemon. Like this is what way Quaza sees when Deoxys shows up. What, like the this is Star Beast or Estelle. Estelle, like he sees Estelle, Estelle also full on um full on Necrozmud basically um the Eternal City, which it's like it's it's a beautiful area and the Estelle boss fights really cool. Um, there's a lore quote of Estelle, um, a malformed star born in the void once destroyed an eternal city and took away their sky. So he basically did a, he pulled an ultra necrozma. That is horrifying. This is not, I don't, this is not okay. Oh, and to get it, you cross, to get to Estelle, you have to cross the Lake of Scarlet Rot, uh, then go down past river of the Scarlet Rot. That's full of our good old kindred of rot buddies. Then you climb in a coffin and ride it down a waterfall of the Scarlet Rot. So you have to fight the basilisks a bunch of times. And the Velvet Worm Boys to get to the cosmic entity bug of death and despair. That's, yeah, that's yeah, that, that tracks. Because, that a, tracks. A, because a blue girl with four arms asked you nicely. Very. I mean, like, I've seen the art. She apparently asked quite nicely. It's unsettling. But you, you also get one of my favorite weapons in the game, the Moonlight Greatsword. So, you know, okay. or Dark Moon Greatsword. Well, which is in okay, if it's for game, loot. Including even Armored Core. It's in all the games. Oh, I have seen this in Armored Core. I've seen some people the posting that. Yeah, no. If, yeah, it, why didn't you say it was for loot? Yeah, I'll do this for loot. Yeah, that's Ooh, the end, for loot. quest reward. Yeah, so like the uh, the Moonlight Greatsword, I think, goes all the way back. Or it, sometimes it's the Dark Moon Sword or the Moonlight Sword, but it goes all the way back to, I think, at least Demon Souls, probably earlier. <laughs> it's in Bloodborne. I don't think it's in Sekiro because there's only like one sword in Sekiro, but it's a recurring it, theme. Do you have to beat a cosmic horror to get the sword in each game, or is that just uh, this thing? In uh, the first one, you be uh, in Demon Souls. I think you have to cut the tail off Seath the Scaleless, who's like an ancient dragon that's also a wizard and has no scales. In the uh, second one, you have to beat Duke's Dear Freya on an increased uh, difficulty thing. Duke's Dear Freya is a giant two-headed spider. Uh, heads are on opposite ends, so it can always bite you. Um, the third one... I don't remember who you have to kill in the third one. In Bloodborne, you have to defeat Ludwig, who's like this giant half-horse monster person, not like a centaur, like way, way grosser than a centaur. I'm not um, looking it up. <laughs> yeah, you're not you're not tricking me on this one, Don. Yeah, nah, nice try. Get behind me, Satan. I ain't doing it. <laughs> but yeah, so um, I think the Estelle line, I'm going to call them a line, like they're a Pokemon, um, but... The family. 
I, I think they have a lot of similarities. I think they're great big space lace wings. And lace wings in real life are actually a very interesting group of insects, um, which I should talk about the actual bug. Or technically, they're not a bug. They're an insect. But um, yeah, uh, Neuroptera Neuro, um, is the uh, net-winged insects, which includes lace wings, mantid flies, and antlions. Uh, mantid flies are also crazy, but look at your classic lace wings. Um, they're pretty old. Um, they've been called the butterflies of the Jurassic. Um, they go all the way back to the Permian period. They're pretty soft-bodied, um, but they're very predatory. The larvae are typically specialized. Um, they have like long mandibles, which are sort of designed for. Um, um, and their abdomen can um, sometimes has adhesive discs on the last two segments to help them like stick on the leaves and stuff. Um, lacewing are, are also used for uh, biological control in gardens and stuff. Uh, you can put their larvae out there, and they'll, they they really eat a lot of aphids. So they're really great for that. Um, some other lacewing larvae will pile the dead bodies of their prey on top of their own bodies to use them as camouflage. Like they just stack corpses on top of themselves? Yes. I it's mean, pretty metal. Points for industriousness. Yeah, which if you look at the... Um, the malformed star, it's kind of got like a weird crunchy thing. It could be a bunch of bodies on it. Maybe it's holding them on there with gravity wizardry. Yeah, there's a, they're, there's a, they're a pretty interesting group. They're pretty much all predatory. They go, uh, so they go back pretty far. Also, if there's any, um, any, any, uh, Mistborn fans, this is sort of how I imagine a mystery to look. Any, any Brandon Sanderson fans out there. But, um, yeah, so there's, there's several types of slimes in Elden Ring. Um, they're very, very slow, as you would imagine. They can sort of shoot out these little spikies. Excuse me. And by shoot out, I mean, like, just out of their bodies. They can't launch them. Um, but they're pretty hard to kill with physical damage because they're a squishy pile with some bones in it. Like, it's, they're not really... I don't think there's a lot of important bits to hit. Um, they don't like uh, being set on fire, though. So that's that's a good tip. See, uh, I was like with everything else you've shown me, I've figured out how to kill it because I can look at it and be like, all right, I might not be strong enough, but I can tell where to whack it. I have no idea how to whack this thing. Yeah, that's sort of like they're really annoying. Also, like they're pretty small other than the giant skeletal slime, which is not small. But yeah, they're kind of just uh, kind of just there. They're kind of gross. They make a little squishy noise. Um, They're hostile to you, but they're so slow. They're kind of irrelevant, but they they can like. If they do hit you, it'll stagger you. So it's like really an annoying thing to have if you're fighting a more sort of important enemy. I'm just looking at this thing like, what does it look like if one of the little ones kill you? Do you just like pass out and like it just the you died thing comes up or you does just it eat fall you? over? I think you just fall over. It pokes you and you die. Then you turn into dust or whatever. Oh, sorry. Um, but yeah, so the, I, I mean, skeletal slime um, in the games, you find them. Uh, kind of on some water areas around this one lake um on beaches in western Limgrave, which is the starter area and you find them in some underground catacombs as well um basically places that are shady or wet places where slimes like um yeah there is also the giant skeletal slime if you guys would like to google that one it's a little oh I, i've already found it yeah it, it looks like the meat they probably used to make gas station hot dogs well, that it's it, yeah. Well, it also looks like that it lives in the uh, the Rithe Blood ruins in the Mogwin dynasty. Mogwin is a guy that worships like the blood god, basically. Oh, and is like one of the harder bosses in Elden Ring. Cool, really cool boss fight. It's it's really fun because you know, like he starts. There's a point in the boss fight where he starts counting in Latin, 
and you know it's always bad when the boss starts counting in Latin. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> generally a red flag in video if games. Anyone, if that's in anything in life, if you just walk through the grocery store and there's a guy standing in the aisle counting in Latin, I'm leaving. You're gonna get you're gonna get all those people who like read Da Vinci Code circa like 2005 being like, oh no, no, not yeah. again. Well, there's um, sort of the whole thing with him. And a little quick aside is he uh. So Elden Ring has a status called uh, blood loss, where if your meter gets filled up, you take a big burst of damage, and like it's like you lost a bunch of blood all of a sudden. Um, and during the fight, Mog, at about half health, he'll say like he'll start counting backwards from three in Latin. And when he hits zero, um, he'll like start chanting for a second, and each time he says like the numbers, you'll get a red circle around you, and then you get three consecutive uh, blood loss procs. Um, which can like basically wipe out your health. You almost have to heal in between or have a certain item ready. And it heals him when he does it and he powers up. But the skeletal slimes um, have some similarities with a few critters. One, or I guess we could say like sort of some, I, I think there's a little bit of nudibronch to them um, because we do see nudibronchs and sea slugs will pick up. Because like the things they stab you with kind of look like little bone protrusions. And that sort of makes me think of how um, nudibronchs that prey on, you know, uh, either jellyfish or sand enemies will sequester the stinging cells and then use them for their own defense. These guys seem to prey on vertebrates, so they sequester the bones and they use them for their defense. Yeah, but no, the skeletal slime's kind of just like a goofy little guy. Um, they drop bones, which you would expect them to drop because uh, they're full of bones. I, I have a love for any... Uh, sorry, I, I have a love for a creature that sequesters things from other animals. Like, I like how poison dart frogs sequester their toxins from the ants they eat. I like how the cnidarians seem to sequester the toxins from the jellies or the anemones. So I like this idea of a slime not just digesting everything, but keeping the sharper bones out to protect itself. I think that's a pretty cool idea. Yeah, and we, we see a little bit of um, sort of similarity with, like, certain, like I said, certain lacewing larvae you know, put the bodies of their victims on top of themselves for camouflage. And there's some areas where you see the, the skeletal slimes and they'll be sort of in an underground underground area, maybe some catacombs, probably some bones lying around, you know, makes them a little harder to spot. Um, luckily, they make a gross squelching noise, so that makes them easier to spot. Yeah, there's not, not too much to say about them. Um, there's a few other animals that sort of have, you know, some just basically, like you see um, some sea cucumbers and some sponges um, develop like calcified spines. Well, Don, thank you so much for sharing the unending horrors that From Software has produced. I appreciate you and what you've done. Thank you for giving me something to think about when I go to sleep tonight. Yeah, anytime. Always, always happy to, you know, add some spookiness to the world. And if you want something real spooky, listeners, you should watch Reign of Fire. Yeah. yeah. Oh, no. There's so many great dragons in this game, actually, Toe. Okay, no, uh, no, we're done. We're already an you hour can, did in. Did you know they can get spells in this game, Chris, where you summon the aspects of a giant dragon head and then you breathe different types of fire? Okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, well, folks, thank you so much for listening. Have a wonderful rest of your day or night. We'll see you guys in the next one. Happy Halloween, everybody. Bye. Bye.